Coming up on the Sark Fighter Podcast. I sure. went to see a hand specialist and he recommended we uh, go in and take a look. Uh, they call it a lumpectomy of my tendon sheath. Kevin McDivitt's sarcoidosis first showed up on his finger. Um, so he cut an incision in my finger and he told me later it was like pulling spaghetti out. But eventually it would get worse much worse. And they came back with a diagnosis of uh, possible sarcoidosis. This is the Sark Fighter Podcast, living with sarcoidosis and other rare diseases. Here's your host, John Carlin. Hello and welcome. This is episode 30 of the Sark Fighter Podcast. I'm your host, John Carlin. The Sark Fighter Podcast is brought to you in part by a grant from A Tire Pharma. And you can hear an interview with Sanjay Shukla, the CEO of A Tire, in episode 17 of the Sark Fighter Podcast. And you've heard me say before, we do the podcast to offer fellow Sark fighters hope. And later in 2021, the effectiveness of this new drug by ATIRE will come into clearer view as clinical trials evolve. So stay tuned for information on that as we look for maybe a new drug that can be very effective in fighting sarcoidosis. At this point, it looks promising, but we just don't know. The official Sark fighter song called Zombie is by Mark Steyer, who plays in a band called the White Hot Lizards. And Mark's story, the story behind the lyrics, which will mean a lot to most of you, I would say, is in episode 12. And he gladly donated that song to the podcast, and the proceeds from that song go to the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research. Of course, I call this the Sark Fighter Podcast because I'm fighting Sark, so are you, whether you're a caregiver, a patient, a researcher, wherever you are in this space, you're listening because of sarcoidosis. And my goal here is just to try and touch on all the the different aspects of sarcoidosis, whether it's a way to deal with it, a way to deal with the drugs, whether we look at medicines that might be effective, whether we look at ways to just talk to one another, to make ourselves understand, feel better. Sometimes it feels good just to, to sort of normalize your situation. When, you know, the things that are happening to our bodies and to our lives are drastic. And some people don't find comfort in knowing that other people are going through something similar, but a lot of people do. Uh, when you realize that you're not alone fighting this and that there are other people who are suffering through this and they're, they're finding a way to, to get on. And that's, that's kind of where I'm trying to shine a light. So, and, and, you know, when you do that, uh, we look at reasons for hope. We look at all the stuff going on with FSR. You, you, you see the fundraisers, you see the events, you find a way to participate and that helps you fight back a little bit. And, and uh, normally, uh, that will that will make most people people feel like they're doing something, which will in turn make them feel a little bit better. They're doing something to be helpful. I normally release this podcast, by the way, on every other Monday, and I've noticed that you guys um, really tune in on the release days. I can I can go in the background of my little website here, and I can see whenever we release a new Sark Fighter podcast that that uh, the number of listens jumps dramatically. Um, and I wish I could do more, but right now I've got a full-time job and, and a small business and 
lots of grandkids and so forth. And that's right now, that's about as often as I, as I can realistically put out a new podcast. But I'm, I'm doing what I can and maybe eventually we'll look at maybe a way to, to do it a little bit more often because it does seem like there's an appetite for it. And I cannot tell you how gratifying that is. When I first launched this idea just about a year ago, I had I had no idea if we would ever get more than 10 listens. And, uh, you know, we're in the uh, approaching 14,000 downloads right now. Um, and that just tickles me to death. Um, if you are new to sarcoidosis and you're trying to figure out what you have, what's going on with your body, uh, you might want to consider listening to my interview with Dr. Simon Hart in episode two. It's sort of like sarcoidosis 101. And a lot of people have, have gone to that. In fact, I would say that as of the last time I looked, it was the most listened to podcast here on the show. Of course, it's been out there the longest, and a lot of people will go and listen to back episodes. But but that, uh, I think, is indicative of what people are searching for. If you want to know more about me and my story, that is episode one. And if you want to know the backstory to the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research and how it came into being, then check out episode 11 with the founders, Andrea and Redding Wilson. Andrea is a fellow SARC fighter, and 20 years ago, there, there was no foundation, and there was no central organization helping to fight the disease, and now, now there is. Um, now, I want to say it was just a year ago that the pandemic struck in a big way. I'm recording this on March 13th of 2021. Uh, I remember because I was traveling to Cleveland for an appointment at the Cleveland Clinic at seven hours from my house, and we were starting to get information over the radio during that three-day trip that things like March Madness were being canceled, the NBA season put on hold, you name it, and then we really started to see how serious this pandemic was. And at the time, we didn't know, of course, how long it would last, but and now a year later, the vaccine has been released, and so we're starting to come out of it. But one of the big casualties immediately in our little corner of the world, in our space, as it were, was was all the activity of FSR, all the people trying to do events for Sarcoidosis Awareness Month, which is April. So that meant no 5Ks, no walks, no meetups, no... Uh, no summits in person for the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research. Right here in Roanoke, uh, I was just getting the ball rolling, and I had a forum scheduled here at a local theater where I live, and I had speakers lined up, and, and we were going to build a support group out of that, and it all just died. It just it just died. Um, so this year, uh, the team at FSR has done a little bit of a pivot. So some things to consider as we come up on Sarcoidosis Awareness Month, would be the following. On Tuesday, March 30th, you could look at the, uh, the SARC Social, the impact of art, creatively communicating your experience from 4 to 5 p.m. Central Time, uh, where you would continue to find footing and creating hope in our challenging times. FSR invites you to join uh, patient advocate, artist, and poet uh, Delshawn Williams to as he shares the impact of art on his sarcoidosis journey. And I'll put a link to that. Also, uh, coming up, Steps for Sark, the Virtual Endurance Challenge, April 1st through April 30th, to raise awareness and unite the community during Sarcoidosis Awareness Month. FSR is hosting a month-long virtual endurance and fundraising challenge. And I'll put a link to that. World Sarcoidosis Day 
is coming up on Wednesday, April 13th, and from 4 to 5.30 Central, uh, Central Time. Uh, there'll be a, a virtual event, and the FSR and advocates will be hosting a celebration, so that's something to put on your calendar. Uh, Sark Social on Saturday, April 17th. Life with sarcoidosis is full of setbacks, renegotiating what you can and cannot do anymore, having a mindset focused on growth and so forth. So join FSR uh, patient advocate Trina Massey-Davis as she shares her story on how shifting her mindset has a ripple effect on her life. And again, we'll put a link to that. Then there's a segment on uh, eating, cooking, and nutrition on Saturday, April 17th. And that'll be from 1 to 2.30 p.m. Central Time. There's Memorial Monday Candlelight Vigil on April 26th from 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time, again hosted by FSR. So that's just a quick look at the at the FSR calendar, some things that are going on, and Sarcoidosis Awareness Month does live on even in these more difficult times. Also, there is another group out there doing a lot of good work. And it was founded by uh, Frank Rivera, Cheryl Bradford, and Carrie Wong and others. I mentioned those three because they've already been guests here on the Sark Fighter podcast. They have a really strong website and a presence uh, in the battle. Their presence is much appreciated. Um, and it's called Stronger Than Sarcoidosis. And they have a national online support group that meets uh, on the first Tuesday and the third Thursday of the month from 7 to 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. They're really doing a lot of great things, and I'll have a link to their organization in the show notes as well. Now, just a couple of requests before we jump into this really interesting interview today with Kevin. I appreciate your interest in the Sark Fighter podcast. Please help me reach more people and grow the show, and it would work if you would just share the episode on your social media, share the link, and if you like it, just tell one person. Just reach out and say, hey, did you hear the Sark Fighter podcast? Today they were talking about diet, or they were talking about a, a guy was talking about how it showed up on his finger, and when the doctor went in, it was like pulling out strands of spaghetti. Kind of gross, but it's kind of interesting too if you if you wonder what one of these non-caseating granulomas looks like. So, um, you know, just just please just help me uh, give the give the show a little bit of a boost. It's much appreciated. Now, I do want to pick up on a topic that I left off with, which is diet. Uh, a year ago, there was so much that I didn't know about sarcoidosis. And when I started the podcast, I began to notice patterns in people's stories. And there was a lot of interest in whether diet can affect how we feel, specifically anti-inflammatory diets. I didn't hear from anybody for a long time, but eventually... Uh, Sark fighter Ryan Norenberg came on in episode 27 to say that it had worked for him. He had a severe case of sarcoidosis, cardiac sarcoidosis. He started eating anti-inflammatory foods. He does take a dose of CBD every day, and he now controls his cardiac sarc very well. And then, so during our discussion, he told me that his wife, Lindsay, uh, gave up her first very successful career. She started studying diet and has become a licensed, a licensed dietitian, holistic nutritionist, and she launched something called Nourish by Lindsay to help other people achieve what she helped him do, and I am one of her first clients. In fact, 
To be honest, I am her first client, she tells me, that is not friend or family, and she is helping me gratis, um, but uh, she has really been a great help. Uh, we have done several Zoom calls. She has led me into uh, a couple of new things. I've begun taking a probiotic called Just Thrive, uh, which helps me uh, get my gut in shape. And I'm learning a lot about leaky gut and some other things and, and how your your biome affects so much of your life that you don't realize that there's a lot of regulation even of your brain and your emotions that happens in the gut. So I'm taking that. Uh, and I've been doing that for a little less than a month. Um, I'm also on day 13, as I speak to you, of a 21-day elimination diet. Last time I recorded a podcast, I was considering doing this. I launched it on May 1st. I have eliminated everything that the dietary world believes causes inflammation. So no gluten, no dairy, no sugar, which leaves you with just about nothing. So lots of grilled chicken, lots of vegetables. And... Um, I can't tell you that I love it, but I can eat as much as I want, so I'm not really hungry all the time, but I do still crave sweets. I would love to have uh, a cookie, <laughs> uh, but at this point, even bananas and apples are, are uh, off the table because they are too sugary, so lots of salads, lots of beans, lots of kale, smoothies every morning. Um, think of it as a paleo diet. I get, I can have buffalo or grass-fed beef, and son of a gun, I might go out and buy myself a big grass-fed steak for tonight, but, but we'll see. I did do a, a recent bike ride, uh, and this is critical because if you listen, you know that cycling is my passion, and the weather finally broke here in western Virginia in the mountains, so we tried to go out and ride a uh, 36-mile ride last weekend, and I completely bonked. I got to about mile 27, 28, and I had nothing left in the tank. Uh, and I had to cheat a little bit and carry, uh, an energy, I carry an energy gel with me, which is what marathoners use in cyclists. It looks like a, a gel and a ketchup package from a fast food joint, but it's, it's just pure energy and it's all sugar. And I had to, I had to basically swallow one of those and some water and that got me home. But, and, and then I spoke with Lindsay about it the next day and she told me that I was ill-advised to try a bicycle ride of that distance on this diet because there's no carbs in this diet and there was just nothing in my tank. So, okay. Lesson learned. I will. Uh, I'll back off on long distance bike rides. I have done some shorter ones, and I've and I've been okay. But otherwise, other than that, I have not cheated. I can tell you so far, I don't feel much different in terms of inflammation or anything related to my sarcoidosis. I have had a couple of days where I was hangry, you know, hungry and angry, uh, moody, if you will. Uh, I'm I'm not at a point where I can report any conclusions. Uh, I will say that there have been days where my legs felt less sarky because I have neurosarc, and th there are days when the, this numbness because of the neurosarc, which is caused by um, basically by an interruption of messages from my brain to the lower half of my body on my spinal cord because of the, the sarcoid on my spinal cord, um, the numbness can feel a little bit worse. 
and something like a pizza, which would be full of gluten and cheese and dairy and all kinds of probably other stuff, um, pepperoni, uh, processed foods, you, know, you name it. It's about as processed as it can get. The sugar in the sauce, uh, everything in a pizza is bad, uh, according to conventional wisdom. I love pizza, uh, but if after I have a couple slices of pizza, I do feel terrible. Um, so I haven't felt terrible, but uh, and and this is just temporary. The the elimination diet is to get me to a point where I can slowly start adding things back in and see if there are triggers. So if I have a piece of wheat toast and that is full of gluten and all of a sudden I feel like crap two hours later, I know, okay, gluten's a trigger. If I have some cheese and crackers and the, the dairy product is a problem, okay, I know that. If if I have a slice of pie and it's full of sugar, then, then I'll know that. Um, I really don't want to know that because I like those things. On the other hand, uh, if it makes me feel better over the long term and it controls my emotions and my gut health improves, then it's something I'm going to take a serious look at. And you can come along with me on that journey. But that's where I am. That's where I am right now. Okay. So uh, I will just keep you posted. Now, today my interview is with Kevin McDivitt. He lives outside Philadelphia. As you heard in the, the little teaser at the front, his sark first showed up in his ring finger. I've never heard of that. I'll tell you that uh, he finally, because he couldn't golf, he couldn't, you know, his golf grip was interrupted. Can't have that, right? <laughs> he ignored it for a while. Uh, and then it came back with a vengeance. Eventually it presented in his heart and became a very serious condition. And so uh, now again, we have a Sark fighter who is active, physically fit, rode bicycles, ran, jogged, did whatever he wanted to do. And now he's reduced to wondering uh, why he can't do anything, even basic stuff like walking, uh, made him exhausted. And you're going to hear him talk about that. You'll hear him talk about something he calls parasarcoidosis, which for me is a new term. I want to learn more about that. Um, and then also like uh, Ryan Norenberg, uh, Lindsay's husband and fellow SARC fighter and my role model for this auto-inflammatory eating, Kevin has found great success with eliminating inflammatory foods from his diet. So he'll be talking about all of that coming up, my interview with Kevin McDivitt. I feel like a zombie Just feeding and stumbling Hi, I hope you're enjoying the Sark Fighter Podcast. You may be wondering, what can I do to help? How can I be a part of the sarcoidosis solution? It's simple. Make a donation to KISS. Kick in to stop sarcoidosis. 100% of the money goes to the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research. Look for a link in the show notes of the Sark Fighter Podcast. Welcome back to the Shark Fighter Podcast. Joining me now is Kevin McDivitt uh, from Pennsylvania, just outside Philadelphia. Welcome today, Kevin. Oh, thank you, John. I, yeah. uh, I really want to acknowledge you for um, who you've been for the sarcoidosis community and your contribution to that. You know, I, I heard your podcast last year and have tuned into just about every single episode. It's 
you know, it was good to hear someone else's stories and uh, it's been great. Thank you very much. Well, th thank you for saying that. Um, I've, I'm, I'm starting to hear that from other people. And as you had mentioned, you didn't, you live right outside Philadelphia, major metro area, and you didn't know anybody else who had sarcoidosis. Right, uh, right. You know, whereas I live in a, in a, a smaller city, certainly a more rural area. Um, and I didn't either at first. So, but I, you know, I would have thought if you lived in Philadelphia, then, you know, you'd, you'd know half a dozen people. Yeah. I'm going to the Jefferson sarcoidosis clinic. Um, and I, I still haven't met anyone that has sarcoidosis. Wow. I've been there for a year. Wow. Oh, that's a lot. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, listen, so you were first diagnosed when something showed up on your finger. Tell me about that. Yes. Um, so in 2010, um, I had uh, a lump in my ring finger. And it would prevent me from getting my fingertip to my palm of my hand. Like I couldn't make a fist. And it would get better and worse and better and worse. And uh, eventually it started to interfere with my golf game. So something had to be done. Yeah. So I sure. went to see a hand specialist and he recommended we uh, go in and take a look. Uh, they call it a lumpectomy. Um, so he cut an incision in my finger and um, he told me later it was like pulling spaghetti out of my tendon sheath. And um, he sent it off to the lab to be analyzed and it wasn't cancerous. And they came back with a diagnosis of uh, possible sarcoidosis. So he sent it back saying it's in his hand, not in his lungs. Try uh -huh. again. Right. <laughs> and they came back and said, it still looks like sarcoidosis. Uh, so he sent me to a pulmonologist and we did a, uh, uh, an x-ray and that came back with uh, some things of concern. And uh, the next step was a bronchoscopy where they send a tube down your, your throat into your lungs and they take a sample of something that looks interesting. And it was confirmed to sarcoidosis in 2010. Okay. So at that point in 2010, you have it on your, your ring finger. And <laughs> I assume they removed the lump and you were able to continue to play golf. First of all, the most yes. important thing. Okay. Uh, uh, no, actually it came right back. It, it came did. right back. Yes. Um, huh. So it, it eventually came back and uh, it was, you know, it was what it was, you know, it, okay. sometimes it would be better, sometimes it would be worse, but it was still there. Um, All right. And, but, and you also had some presentation in your lungs? Lungs and uh, the lymph nodes. Okay. But as I recall from our previous um, correspondence, your doctor said the uh, treatment is worse than the disease. So you stayed off of prednisone at that point? I, I didn't do anything. Right. So oh. he, we, we, it was quiescent. Uh, so there was no action necessary. And yes, prednisone was definitely worse than the slight impact it had on my lung function. So I, I noticed um, over the years that I, so I used to play soccer. I used to ride my bike. I used to be very active. Um, as I got into my corporate life and my career, um, some of that fitness dwindled off until the point where, you know, high intensity aerobics was a problem for me. I never knew what it was. I just figured I was out of shape. Right. And it turns out old. it was, uh, yeah, we are, we are getting old, but right. it was also an expression of, of the sarcoidosis in a limited lung function. Mm -hmm. So I had like about a 10, 
reduction in my lung function from a normal person, which for me being an athlete was probably more like 25, 30%. Right. But that makes sense. anyway, it, it, as long as like, um, I didn't try and get crazy about my physical output. It was fine. Right. I could, I could deal with it. I could walk quickly, but I, I couldn't run for a long time. Things like that. Right. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, he's like, it seems stable. We'll monitor it in two years. Okay. So every two years, I was going back for a CT scan to monitor it. And in 2012, 2014, 2016, it was all stable. Not improving, not getting worse. And it was like, oh, this is what I got. No problem. Okay. So it's just, it, yeah. All right. You didn't adjust your diet. You didn't do anything like that. Um. Actually, in 2012, I did adjust my diet. Um, I, and this was my son driving it. He um, wanted to try keto, the Atkins diet. So uh, the whole family went on keto. Okay. And uh, I, I loved it. I mean, it's like bacon, eggs, and you know, just just pile on the fat. It was right. it was awesome because it was everything my doctor was telling me not to do. Right. Because I'm trying to reduce my cholesterol, right? Stay away from fat. Uh, no, it doesn't work that way. Um, actually, my cholesterol came down, my weight came down, and the inflammation went away. Hmm. Like, uh, my hand was fine. I'm like, oh, my God, what happened? So I'm like, oh, the, the diet and this inflammation is related. So that was my first clue, if you would. Um, and, and it's really been great because... Um, over the past 10 years, uh, I haven't been on an Atkins diet the whole time. Right. But as I would stray from the uh, adherence to that and get a few too many carbs, a couple of IPAs and some apple pie with ice cream, if I ate too many carbs, it would flare. Mm. I would feel it in my finger and I would know that I need to back off on the carbs. Wow. So it was like an early warning indicator. You know, I mean, if you're going to have it, I wish I had an early warning system. Yeah, right. You know, um. That's my, my fingers started hurting a little bit. Like, all right, you know, um, I have to go ride my bike 20 miles to find out if I'm not feeling good. Uh, that's my thermometers. I've talked about. Yeah, there you here. go. So, all right. So you were cruising along for about 10 years. 10 years, yeah. And then all of a sudden something happened. What? When did things get worse? Um, so in 2018... I had my a pulmonary function test, a cardio pulmonary exercise test, and things were actually improving. Like I was just cruising along and they're on their way up and I'm feeling good about it. Um, in 2020, in January, I'm sitting at a stoplight in North Philly and boom, I get rear-ended by an SUV doing some version of 35, 40 miles an hour. Ooh. And it, it was a violent impact, but my airbag didn't go off. His did. Um, he pushed me out to the intersection, no cross traffic, so no secondary collision. Uh, I pulled off to the side of the road, was a little shaken up, but otherwise felt fine. Right? I knew my body was concussed a little bit, but you know, nothing bleeding, nothing broken. Uh, we went out, exchanged information, and went home. Wow. Okay. You drove the car home. 
I drove the car home. Yeah, I mean, the I got the trunk down and, you know, other than looking horrible, um, it was drivable and um, his was drivable. So we just left. Um, the next morning, I felt awful, like really tired, fatigued, um, a little foggy. And I'm like, well, I was just in an accident. Yeah, you had that big expected. adrenaline burst and all the yeah, you know, yeah. kind of they call it shockiness. Um, so that you could be you could be attributed to that. Yeah, yeah. So you know, it wasn't unexpected. The second day, I felt even worse, mm-hmm. and um, really had nothing in the tank. Like just absolutely sat in a chair all day, uh, hanging out, watching TV, and sleeping. The third day, I got up and I'm like, this isn't working. And I go to the hospital. And I present in the emergency department with atrial fibrillosis, uh, atrial uh, AFib. 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 Yeah. <laughs> it's easier. <laughs> Easy for me to say. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I present with AFib, and they're like, uh, yeah, we got some bumps and bruises, but your heart's in distress right now. So um, they cardiovert me, get me back into normal rhythm with medication. Um, and take all their CTs and x-rays and nothing's broken and uh, they sent me home and I go to CVS to pick up my uh, medication and I don't remember my phone number what? (laughs) my cell phone number which I've had for 10 years I can't remember it I I literally have to look it up in my phone Uh, so I knew that was a problem talk Um, about brain fog yeah, right. <laughs> right. And uh, so from that point forward, it was like just, uh, you know, unbelievable sequence of events. So the next thing was uh, a cardiac stress test. Okay. So after some period of time to recover from the bumps and bruises, I went into the cardiologist's office. And I was walking on the treadmill, all hooked up with the uh, EKG equipment. And uh, after five minutes, they're like, okay, you're done. I'm like, oh, that wasn't too bad. Well, they stopped the test because my heart was so bad. Really? Yes. I mean, so I they were, they were concerned that if you continued, that yes. something bad was going to happen. Yes. And I sat down with the cardiologist. seems like you have this, uh, PVCs, uh, premature ventricular contractions, mm-hmm. uh, VT, ventricular tachycardia, SVT, sustained tachycardia, all, all these different arrhythmias in my heart. And I had never had heart issues. Always been an athlete. Had, you know, two years prior, I had my stress test and there was, you know, I was hooked up to an EKG the entire time. There's no problem. Wow. So something happened and whether it was the accident or something else, but, um, they had to find out what the root cause was. Uh, so then I got introduced to an electrophysiologist who specializes in heart rhythm. Right. And he's like, this is very serious. Hmm. I'm like, well, how serious? Because you know, I'm not into surgery. I'm not into medication. I have no medication. Right. And he's like, uh, this is like drop dead serious. And nobody has an arrhythmia, in this context. Uh, it, it got in my heart. 
Yeah, but they, the doctor and you were not talking about sarcoidosis. At not at that time. point in time. They like were, nobody had they thought were, that what was in your They were thinking was it, it was a heart. possibility, but they, they have a procedure or a process to go through to eliminate everything else, like everything in sarcoidosis. It's nothing else, so it must be sarcoidosis. Right. <laughs> just like on, on a house. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't know, just say sarcoidosis. Just say sarcoidosis. Right? <laughs> right. It fits everything. Yes, it's the catch-all. Uh, like I told my kids, hydrogen bonding. If you don't know what the answer is, hydrogen bonding. Hydrogen is bonding. probably the answer. Yes. Okay. I'll, I'll remember <laughs> that's that. The, that's the sarcoidosis of uh, physics and chemistry. <laughs> Got it. Got it. Um, so uh, after the stress test, I met with the electrophysiologist who's like, you know, number one, we have a pandemic uh, ongoing, right? We see it in China. We're seeing it in Europe and um, it's serious. And with your condition, uh, you need to be very concerned about it. And with your arrhythmias, um, we're recommending that we implant an ICD. Uh, it's an implantable cardioversion device. Mm -hmm. So it, it's, it's a pacemaker. Right. And with it's... The, the, the paddles. The paddles, like when, yeah. Mm -hmm. Shocks you, shock shock back. you back if something happens. Yes, if, if you have an arrhythmia, it can shock you back. If your heart stops, it can shock you back. Right. And if you have the heart block where your heart stops, it can pace your heart at a preset amount. I'm like, uh, I don't know. Um, and then I, had, I talked to some people about it and uh, we had a, a real serious conversation. And with the pandemic, like, just starting to take off in the United States. We're like, we need to get ahead of this. If I'm going into a hospital, I want to go in now, not a month from now. Right. So and was this March of, la of 2020? It was April 1st. April yeah. 1st, so March, right after it started. Okay. Yeah. So we're, right. we're talking two months after the accident. Right. You know, I, I'm, I've got like stress tests and arrhythmias. And now I'm getting a artificial pacemaker put in my chest. And I still don't know what the cause is. And prior to this accident, I've never had any heart issues. So then the next step was a PET scan. And uh, I'm, I'm looking right now at the image on my wall. And it was scary. My whole entire left ventricle was encircled with sarcoidosis. And my left atria was um, partially involved and the septum wall in between. And um, that's what was causing the arrhythmias. Mm. It was completely involved in my heart. Wow. So now it's April. You've figured out that it's sarcoidosis. You um, did you, at this point, you had decided, but had you actually received the, uh, the pacemaker? Yes. April yeah. 1st, I got the pacemaker. Okay. April 13th, I got the um, PET scan. Okay. So now the pandemic is starting to become a full-fledged thing and your sarcoidosis is deciding this would be a great time to show up in a big way. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Man. So what do they do? What did you do? Uh, well, they put me on 40 milligrams of prednisone immediately. I went through my honeymoon period with that um, beloved drug, that awful yeah. drug. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're like, well, we're, we're going to, we got to do this for a while and then we'll do another PET scan and see if it's clear. And um, if it is, then we'll, back it off. If not, we increase it or keep it steady and, and we go from there. So I'm like, okay, 
about three weeks after I started prednisone, the, the psychotic effects started kicking in. From, yes, yes. From the prednisone. From the prednisone. It was like melting my mind. I, I was really difficult to be around. Between the mood swings, the anger, the paranoid episodes, the uh, delusions, the, the manic depression. It, it was crazy. It was crazy town. Wow. Wow. It so was, it was yeah. really nuts. Right. And, and I tell you what, I mean, I could probably go toe to toe with you on all of those different things. And in fact, I had to start seeing a therapist just to talk oh, yeah. it through and to try and figure out, did you, did you go see a therapist? I, I I've been seeing a therapist every week for nine and a half months. Yeah. It helps though. Oh yeah, it really does. Yeah. You know, just someone else to talk to and, yeah. um, someone that can give you some guidance and empathize. Right. You know, it, it, this is right. crazy stuff and mm-hmm. you know, people just don't understand it. And so yeah. trying to talk to a normal person about this, right. they're like, come on, just, 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 just walk a little more. You'll be fine. Right. You look fine. Come on, let's right. go. Let's go golf. Let's go. And I'm like, oh, yeah. dude, no. At, at work, <laughs> they started calling me Honest John because I had no filter. So if you if you were wearing something that looked like crap, I would just tell you, you know, I mean, and in the television world, yeah, I mean, it doesn't go over so big. Like, you know, what are you wearing that for today? You want viewers to turn to the other station? Yeah, I mean, just and the weatherman would laugh and he'd say, "Oh, Honest John is back. I love Honest John." But oh, it was just awful. I had no filter and I could fly off the handle. And um, I, God willing, I got through it. And and people kind of took me with a grain of salt during that time. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. So, but, but I, I understand what you're going through. So did your, I mean, did your family or work life suffer because of the emotional effects of prednisone? Um, my, my family um, had some impact. Um, so my sister and her boyfriend were visiting at that time. And um, I had a interaction with her boyfriend that caused him to go back to San Francisco the next morning. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I apologized for it. We we kind of made up, but he still went back to San Francisco the next morning. Uh, yeah, I, I was rough to be around. Um, and I, I see that now. And uh, it, it all made sense at the time. But yeah, it's no filter, being direct, um, getting upset at the smallest things. It was, um, it was, it was awful. Yeah. I literally called a psychiatrist pleading with him that I needed something. And so... Um, the the next th- that day he called me and goes are you on prednisone really <laughs> i'm like yes he was like okay uh what's, what's your pharmacy so he um calls in a script for depakote okay which uh helps to settle down your mania and helps a little bit with depression okay yeah i'm not i'm not familiar with, with that one but and, and um, then did, the, did it work it helped uh, it helped with the mania part it, it wasn't doing anything for the depression side. So then we added Effexor to that, which has been helping uh, some. And then we more recently added Wellbutrin to that cocktail. So of the 10 medications, three are to deal with fi- side effects. <laughs> right. So let's get back to the prednisone and uh, its intended effect. Did it, did it actually help with the sarcoidosis? So um, we had a second PET scan in July. Yeah. And it was improved maybe 40 to 50%, but not clear. You could still see a glow of red in the heart. 
Uh, so we had to continue the regimen. And then by December, December 29th, I had a PET scan again, and it came back clear. Okay. So it's, it's out of my heart now. The, the arrhythmias are gone. It's out of my heart. And um, I'm starting to say goodbye to prednisone. Now, how about scar tissue left behind? That, because that can be an issue. You, you get the sarcoidosis under control, but it always leaves, it tends to leave scar tissue behind and that doesn't heal. Right. Um, so I don't know the answer to that. I would, from what I know, um, the arrhythmias have been a very small burden. So like less than two or 3% of the time, my heart is in some sort of arrhythmia whether it's a PVC or a VT or uh, AFib, um, it's a very small percentage of the time. So my, I infer from that that the scarring is not that bad. Wow. You're lucky. I am very lucky. Um, I had a second opinion by a electrophysiologist, and he told me that uh, he's never seen a case where from presentation to diagnosis, it was so fast. So it was under two months yeah. that I presented with AFib and was diagnosed with cardiac sarcoidosis. Right, yeah. And had an implant and things were uh, turned around. So I, I was really, really uh, uh, fortunate and appreciative of the team that I had at that time yeah. that they got me uh, through that event. Now you had mentioned that, that back in November. So we're speaking in early March of 2021. So basically, what, four months ago, five, give or take, because yeah. I'm not really counting much for March right now. Uh, <laughs> the uh, you were in a really dark place, November oh, 2020. Yeah. So it was the end of um, about four months of just deep depression and uh, chronic fatigue. I, for whatever reason, would get up in the morning, get my coffee, and by you know an hour or two later, I'm ready for a nap. Mm -hmm. And I'm just laying down. And when I would wake up from the nap, I'd have brain fog and would be like moping around, wandering around, not going anywhere because of the pandemic, and go back to bed for a nap and really, I had no life, right? It was just, you know, so between the, the, the fatigue, so walking up the stairs, I'd be out of breath. And just going back to bed was the only thing I felt I could do. Um, yeah, it was awful. And, um, you know, people are telling me, just go out for a walk, you know, be active, you know, you'll, you'll feel better. I'm like, I, I can't even get up the stairs. How am I going to go for a walk? Um, so yeah, it was a really dark place. Um, worst I've ever felt in my entire life. And I'm sure part of it was depression from, you know, I have this disease that's gotten active and the life I had is no longer. And part of it is what they call parasarcoidosis, which is the side effect of sarcoidosis being active in your body. Tell me about if, that. Cause I don't think I've heard that term before parasarcoidosis. So um, when sarcoidosis is active, those, uh, your immune system is creating the granulomas. And when that granuloma is formed, it is excreting chemical signals, cytokines, that cause more inflammation and other things going on. 
So if the if what, what you see happening is not a result of the granulomas forming, they call it parasarcoidosis. So um, one of the things that can happen is you can get these really bad sores on your shins. Uh, I, f- I forget the name of it, but it, it's, it's really nasty. It's really tender and sore. Um, and it's a direct result of sarcoidosis being active. But if you go into that tissue, there's no granulomas. So it's a side effect or a knock-on effect of sarcoidosis. So when you say sores on your shins, this is triggering some things that I'm trying to think back through my own case. What kind of sores are, are, are we talking about? Because I used to get like little, these little small scabs for lack of a better word on my shins. I just attributed to dry skin, Um, but they Uh weren't, they weren't terrible, but they were unexplainable. Yes. So that was probably parasarcoidosis. Really? Yes. That was pre-diagnosis um, for me for probably two or three years. Yeah. It's, it's one of those mysteries that was like, oh, I don't know. Um, so that was probably an indication that sarcoidosis huh. was active. Um, one of the other things it does is it messes with your brain chemistry, induces pr- depression. Mm-hmm. So if you look at um, some of the studies that were done, like people that have sarcoidosis in their lungs have a, you know, and I'm, I'm not quoting anything, but the, the general idea I had was like 40 to 50% of those people have some form of depression. And if you have it in more than one or two body areas, like lungs, lymph nodes, and heart, the incidence of depression goes up to somewhere between 70 and 80%. So the mental, the emotional, the, uh, and, and that, that's a side effect. That's, a, that's, that's just the disease impacting your brain chemistry. Is that where the brain fog comes from too? Probably. I, I don't know. You yeah. know. I'm not a doctor, but I play one on TV. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I play one on a podcast. Um, yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, you've had plenty of doctors on that. And that's, well, that's I've, I've had lots of doctors on. I need to probably get somebody in to just talk about parasarcoidosis because that sounds... Oh like my gosh. I, area. You I know, I could, I could send you some articles and maybe yeah. we can... Uh, cross-reference the doctors that were involved, that would be great. Yeah, do that. And, and also for the listeners, I'll put uh, links in the show notes so they could read the articles too. Okay. Um, yep. If you're okay with that. Yeah, um, I've, I've done a lot of research on it. So yeah, I know. Because that's one, of the, one of the yeah. benefits of uh, having mania, like the manic depressive, I, I focused my mania on like sarcoidosis research. It was like, mm-hmm. oh my God, oh my God, you know, look at yeah. this. This is all related. And this is how, you know, it, it was crazy, you know, right. but it, at the end of the day, yeah, some of that was probably valuable. Some of it's probably irrelevant, but um, it was nonetheless uh, an interesting process at four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah, four o'clock in the morning, wow. <laughs> now you are, um, you are no longer working, right? Correct. So um, for 30 years, I was a project manager, uh, program manager, leader of project management for Siemens, uh, which is a global engineering technology company. Um, I left them in 2013 after my diagnosis with sarcoidosis um, and then started my own company doing training and consulting and assessments for various uh, organizations that value project management. And right now I'm, I'm, I'm not doing, doing that at all. I, I don't anything. feel like I could, I could get up in front of a, an audience of professionals and 
have a reasonable conversation and have the energy level to 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 do that. So yeah, I'm yeah. on. Uh, I've been on disability since August. Now, and you, so uh, I believe, looking at, at my notes from our conversations, you were on methotrexate for a while as well. Are you still? No, I was on methotrexate for about three weeks. Three um, weeks. That's short. They did, they did a blood test and my liver enzymes were out of whack. Um, and so I, I was actually on my way uh, from my second PET scan that my rheumatologist called me and says, Stop taking it right now. <laughs> like serious. Because of your liver enzyme. It was so bad. Yeah. It went from, huh. you know, AST or ALT, one of those went from 40 to 240. Yeah. Ooh, it was off bad. the charts. He's like, just, just stop. And um, so that, oh, that was the first of several challenges that I had in this journey was, okay, methotrexate is not working. So then what? So we're, we're, we're out. Methotrexate is like the default secondary steroid sparing agent. Uh-huh. Yep. So, so what's what, the, what's the next one? Yeah. So did you go to Remicade or, or what happened? Um, I, I called it hurting the cats, trying to get my rheumatologist, my electrophysiologist, my cardio myopathy, my pulmonologist, trying to get them all on the same page to make a decision as to what the third drug's going to be. And it literally took like two months to get an answer. Really? And, uh, yes. And I'm, they glad, I, I'm surprised you got an answer at all. What was the answer? <laughs> it was Celsept. Okay. Which is an immune modulator. Okay. Um, so I've been taking that. I'm up to two grams a day. Um, and I've been tapering my prednisone since I had the third PET scan. Okay. So CELSEP, that's interesting. Cause I, you know, people have heard me talk. I had a, a neurologist and a rheumatologist both, and they worked on the same floor at a local medical center. Um, and, and they could not agree on my <laughs> yeah. forward should be. And yeah. I mean, they, they worked on the same floor and I'd have this conversation with them, but I, and honestly, I think some of it was, was ego related. And, oh yeah. It's ego. It's, you know, there's pluses and minuses to every medication, mm -hmm. uh, probably more minuses than pluses with a lot right. of them. Right. Um, so uh, the one thing I didn't mention is um, in April, when I had my ICD implanted, I had mm -hmm. a team of cardiologists at a cardiology consulting company. Mm -hmm. I had my primary care in Einstein, which is a hospital system. Okay. And I had my pulmonologist in... Jefferson, downtown Philadelphia. In June, shortly after prednisone started uh, affecting my mental capacity, something inside of me said, I can't handle this. I had a call with, so I went to FSR's website. Yep. And they listed Jefferson Hospital in Philadelphia as one of their sarcoidosis centers of excellence. So I called up one day and I said, I'd like to speak with someone in your sarcoidosis center of excellence. I'm like, oh, hold on a minute. And like five minutes later, I'm talking to the director of the sarcoidosis program. No way. <laughs> He's like, oh, would you like to set up a, a telehealth meeting? I'm like, yes, I would. And we had a telehealth meeting and we had a great conversation for about an hour. Where oh, wow. he's, An hour? An hour. Because nothing was going on, right? 
Okay. Nobody was going to the hospital Nobody, visits. Yeah, Nobody was going to doctor's was visits. To Everything was yeah. shut down except for the yeah. emergency department right. and, you know, everything else. So from that standpoint, it was good that I was able to get some really good appointments with people that weren't seeing anyone else. So, yeah, we had this long conversation and I moved everything into Jefferson. So I said goodbye and thank you to my cardiologist. I said goodbye to my primary care and I moved everything over into Jefferson uh, over the course of a few months. And so they're all in the same system mm-hmm. and they still don't talk to each other. <laughs> well, now I was, at that, least I can see them on the same portal. <laughs> right. That I, at least yeah, they're, you're all there. I mean, they're, they're somewhat, it's, it's gotta be easier, but for me going, uh, I still have a, a local doctor, uh, I'm a rheumatologist and, but I also am seeing a pulmonologist and a neurologist at Cleveland clinic. And, uh, and I can't sing their praises enough sure. because, uh, because they do talk to each other. They have a center there, but it's all under one roof and, and every doctor is involved at Cleveland in deciding what the next step is going to be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, going all the way up to Dr. Culver, who is the is the guru there, who oversees the whole clinic. So, yeah, um, yeah. So that that has been a pleasant surprise. And and if anybody's listening, I just would encourage medical centers, uh, so sarcoidosis centers, to to really follow that model because it works. Yes, it works. and I have had numerous conversations with their. Um, head of the sarcoidosis program that um, you really don't have a sarcoidosis program. You have a specialist who understands sarcoidosis. I've seen him on YouTube, but you, you need a case manager. You need somebody to oversee this and quarterback it. And it shouldn't be the patient. That's right. And right. That, that's, what, that's the big missing for me right now is having yeah. a complex case manager, you know, I'm like, what do you do for cancer patients? Do you make them manage all this while they're going through chemotherapy or do you have a, a, a case manager? So we're, we're, we're working on it. You know, that's interesting. I'm, that's I'm interesting. trying to, trying to get them to, to see my perspective and my point of view and uh, make some changes that would be better for the person behind me. Um, I also think they need a support group. Right. At the program. At and the program. Right. Yeah. That's something that I'm looking at possibly getting involved in and starting up. I was, I was forward. very close to launching a support group here locally when the pandemic took over. Yeah. So uh, as far as big, I'm concerned, yeah. we have a national online support group. Do you, are you familiar with that? Which one? The, the one that's run through FSR? No, no. Frank Rivera runs it. Oh, Frank's. Yeah. I'm familiar with Frank's. Sure. Yeah. yeah hop on sometime. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's great. Yeah. We'd love to hear your uh, input and point of view and, and all of that. And just talk to fellow Sark warriors. It's great. Right. right. Well, uh, and, and I, I've been meaning to do it, but honestly, the, the, the first podcast, Tuesday and third Thursday of every month. Yeah. Third Thursday <laughs> of every month. Well, and I've, uh, I'll put that back out there. I've interviewed Frank twice. Yeah. He's a great guy. Unbelievable. And I don't know how he's one of the, um, sickest people I know in terms of the sarcoidosis community oh. and he does the most. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and you know what? That's probably why he's still kicking. Could be. Keeps him going. Just, yeah. Yeah. Could be. I mean, we're, we're, we're supposing that, but it, that, it wouldn't surprise me. That's for sure. Yeah. And I follow him on Facebook and I see his, his post pretty regularly. Yeah. Um, yeah we got to keep him in our prayers. That's right. For sure. Uh, 
so so where are you now what what do you think happens from this point forward for you all right so um i have a clear heart so they did a pet scan and it came back clear in december um since late october i have been tapering my prednisone very slowly so what like, do you want now five ten um about eight eight yep so okay. i started Body. off at five milligrams every two weeks yep. dropping Yep. And now I'm one milligram every two weeks. Okay. So I'm eight for two weeks, then seven for two weeks, then six for two weeks, then five for two weeks. And we're monitoring at some point, my adrenals have to kick back on and produce their own cortisol. Right. And if that doesn't happen, then I need to pause and maybe up steroids to, to survive and then try it again, try tapering down across that that point. So that's, that's the point that I'm in right now. I'm holding steady at, two grams a day of Celsept as my steroid sparing agent. Uh, I'm starting to taper down on my manic depression drug. So my, my Depakote is down to half of what I was taking before. And, you know, it, it's just trying to, to make peace with the new normal, get as many of these pharmaceuticals out of my body as I can. Yeah. Amen. That's, Amen. That's where I am. And, and how much are you still mourning the loss of the life you once lived? I'm still there. Um, I'm getting more of that life back every day. So between November and now, I feel 100% better. Like I have more energy. I'm not taking naps. The brain fog is easing. Um, so I feel better, but I'm, you know, I'm still a fraction of what I was when I was working for Siemens and traveling the world and managing a $30 billion project organization. You know, I, I could not do anything like that today, but um, I'm, I'm getting better. So uh, I feel good about that. And I like the, the direction it's going. And, you know, every, every day you got you to gotta work on your, your mind, body, soul. So, you know, I continue to do a, a lot of meditation. Oh, okay. Uh, I've kind of zeroed in on, uh, for now, what they call yoga nidra. It is a, you, you, you lay still, you don't move a muscle, and you listen to the guided meditation, and they tell you to think about your fingers, you think about your toes, your knees, your hips, your, your heart. You, they basically walk you through your entire body, and as you think about your fingers, you're activating your nervous system all the way down to your fingers, all the way down to your wrist, all the way down to your elbow. And it's like a massage for your nervous system. And you walk away feeling very relaxed. And you it's a way of yourself at home or yeah, so you just lay down, put your earbuds in and listen to YouTube, yoga nidra and, you know, pick one and try it. Um, I, I love Allie Boothroyd. Uh, she's my favorite, but you know, shout out to her. Um, but there, there's a lot of, a lot of guided meditations out there and pick one that works, but it has been immensely helpful for me, particularly with wow. fatigue. Because they say 30 minutes of yoga nidra is like two minute, two hours of deep sleep. So it's very restorative. Wow. And it just calms your nervous system. And that, that's been a big help. Um, and the keto diet, are you, are you doing any diet adjustments? Are you still doing? Uh, so I, I went from the Western diet, which was, you know, go shopping at the grocery store and pick a package, pick a package, pick a package, pick a package. Right, right. Uh, I, I don't do any packaged food anymore. 
it's all whole foods, vegetables. Um, so I'm somewhere between like the WALS protocol, W-A-H-L-S. She's a doctor who um, had, I think it was multiple sclerosis and was in a wheelchair and declining. And she's a doctor. And she's like, this is ridiculous. And she opened up the textbooks and the nutrition books and started eating tons and tons of vegetables, eating the rainbow, they said. You know, red and green and yellow and purple. And um, a year later, she's walking. Hmm. Two years later, she's riding her bike. Wow. And she's now a life coach. And uh, there's the whole Walls Protocol, which is a specific type of diet for um, anti-inflammation, anti-chronic disease, anti uh, anti-dying, I would say. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Well, and I'm doing so, this elimination diet that I've been talking about on the podcast. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a good one. Uh, I'm pretty sure they're going to be uh, the same thing or, or very similar. So, so here, here's, here's my takeaway. Get sugar out of your diet, 100%. Okay. Right? Anything sugar? Soda, fruit juice, um, cookies, cakes, ice cream, anything with pure sugar, the derivatives, sucrose, corn syrup, it's got to go. It is extremely inflammatory and not good for you. Yeah. Um, next, increase your fats, right? This, fats, is, this, is, this is what you're doing. This is why you're oh, yeah. endorsing it. Okay. Yeah. Um, this, is, this is what I'm doing. I'm following um, Dave Asprey. He is the founder of Bulletproof Coffee and the original biohacker which is now a common term, but at the time it was something he coined. Okay. Um, and he has a, uh, so bulletproof coffee, you're putting butter and coconut oil and full cream in your coffee in the morning. And it is unbelievable. Okay. And it's the best thing in the world for you to keep you in ketosis. How about that? Um, okay. And it's delicious. I mean, it's like creamy and silky and smooth and everyone I've talked to and they've tried, everyone who likes coffee loves bulletproof coffee. So there's another shout out to Dave Asprey. He's been a big right. influence. All right. Send, send me a link to that as well, if you don't mind. And I'll, cause people are going to want to know more about this. So I'll just put it out there so they can, they can check it out. All right. So, uh, so you, you have changed your diet. Yep. Uh, which I think is key. I'm going to be talking more and more about that Absolutely. on the podcast. It is key. Yeah. Have you have you eliminated gluten? Absolutely. Okay. For the most part. Okay. Yeah. So, like every once in a while, I'll have a hoagie, but on a day to day basis, I am not eating gluten. I am not eating wheat. I am right. not eating sugar. I am eating simple proteins, small amounts, four ounces maximum at a meal, mm -hmm. and a plate full of vegetables. All right. So uh, free range, organic chicken, grass fed yep. beef. Yep. Grass fed, range grown, uh, what do they call it? Humanely killed. Yeah. Right. So when, when they take the, the, the cow and they put them in the chute and they get all stressed out, all those stress hormones end up in their meat. Uh -huh. And then they kill them and you eat it. And so you're eating all those stress hormones and that's uh, that, that that's the theory and the uh, hmm. science behind why you want free range chicken no hormones no antibiotics no right no 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 nothing no because yeah. they're all inflammatory molecules for your body 
Um, so organic, they're not using the pesticides and the um, fertilizers and, and all of that, which is very bad for your body. Um, so you, you want organic and it's not the cheapest solution, but it's better than pharmaceuticals. For sure. <laughs> yeah. I've, right? I've never been a fan of take a pill, solve a problem. No, no. But, it's, it's, but it's unfortunately the problem. It solves the symptom, but yeah. you know, when your heart's inflamed, yeah, you don't have much choice. Right. Because it could take you out. Yeah. Get it fixed and then figure out the causation and the other things and, yeah. and so take, you know, my, the long game. My next step in the exploration is going to be fasting. So I'm, I'm currently doing intermittent fasting, uh huh, which is, you know, my dinner's at seven o'clock, six o'clock. And then you don't eat until like noon the next day. So your body's literally fasting for... 14, 16 hours. And that causes your body to shift into um, autophagy, which is kind of like a maintenance mode for your cells. Like take out the trash and, you know, kind of clean up. Um, that's a good thing for your body and for your longevity, for your health. And I want to start doing like multi-day fasts, two, three, four days, work my way up to, you know, just a, a water fast for multiple days. And that is supposed to be very beneficial for autophagy, for uh, inflammation. And I've had several medical professionals tell me they think it would be very beneficial for sarcoidosis. Really? So I'm going to experiment with that and uh, let, let you know how, uh, how painful it is and what the results are uh, in, a, in a month or so when I try it out. Uh, you are uh, you're approaching this the same way a Siemens project manager would approach it. <laughs> Actually, literally. Uh, so when I was, you know, kind of having some issues with manic depression and uh, brain fog, I couldn't keep thoughts in my head, and I would stress out about like forgetting that great idea. So if you look right behind me, this this little wall here, um, that's that's my to do list, and it's all visual. And right. each one of those little stickers is something that's in process. So I have my backlog and something I'm working on, something I'm waiting on others, and then it gets complete. So it's just the way I've been managing the disease this year. And, and like three, four months ago, that was way fuller than it is now. So it's starting Great. to calm down and you know, I need to you know, get adjusted to the new normal. And, you know, it's springtime now where I got to get outside and get exercising and stop worrying about what was and start dealing with what is. So, right. Are you going to get back on your bicycle? I am. I cannot wait to get back on the road bike. Good. It Me was, um, <laughs> it was, it was horrifying. Um, in like April of last year, I went out for a bike ride and I got maybe two miles in 20 minutes. I was exhausted and I'm in physical therapy and they put me on one of those hand bikes mm -hmm. and I could go literally like five times faster and five times farther using my hands than my legs. I'm like, huh. that's not good. Yeah. And it was, it was, it was all the, the prednisone. I, it was melting my muscles in my legs. Right. Uh, and um, I'm looking forward to rebuilding that. I just started physical therapy a couple of weeks ago. I'm slowly coming back and building it back up. Great. That's, uh, that's my hope is uh, get back on the trail in a couple of months. Right. 
Well, Kevin, this is uh, this has been a great talk. I appreciate you sharing your story with the listeners uh, here on the Sark Fighter podcast. I wish you uh, all the best in your recovery. And uh, well, thank you. You know, I, you know, let's stay in touch. Let's uh, let's see how all this stuff goes. And uh, I need to put some links out to the Walls Protocol and the Yoga Nidra and the uh dave's coffee and <laughs> bulletproof and, coffee yes and, and and we need to look more at parasarcoidosis so uh, okay you've answered will, a lot of questions and Ray's i will send you a few questions. links okay yeah beautiful all right all right great thanks for joining me thank you john have a great day i feel like a zombie just feeding at stumbling Thank you very much, Kevin. Kevin raises some interesting points. Sugar is evil. Uh, he also talked about the um, the viome. Uh, I thought he was saying biome, like uh, I refer to, but it's viome. And I'm going to try and find some more information on that. And uh, it seems like uh, that led to a probiotic made just for him, sort of a cocktail of bacteria that research and testing showed his gut needed. Um uh, and I will ask him to send me a link for that. He mentioned Walls Protocol, Dr. Terry Walls, who uses diet to address autoimmune diseases. I did a quick Google on that, and there's a lot of info there, more than I can get into now. Uh, but uh, it's been successful in fighting MS, so who knows? Um, so basically, Kevin brought a lot of new info to the table, and I will put a link to everything that I can find that he mentioned in the show notes. If you'd like to contact me, maybe you'd like to be a guest on the show, you want to let me know if the show is helpful, hurtful, uh, make a suggestion, please bring it on. And you can reach me at carlinagency at gmail.com. It's in the show notes. Please follow the Sark Fighter on Instagram. And I've also got a Facebook page. Thanks again to Kevin for joining me here today. I'll let you know how I progress with this elimination diet as time goes on. And by the time I release the next episode, Lindsay should be at that point helping me reintroduce various foods into my diet. So we'll see how that goes. Appreciate you tuning in. Please tell one person. Until next time, keep fighting. Learn to suffer. You feel pain someday. Learn endurance. Your strength will fade away. Dead man walking. Trying to keep up the pace. Dead man walking. Counting.